Welcome back to Sleepover Cinema's two-part spectacular on Legally Blonde. Now, if you have not listened to last week's episode, you're about to be very confused as we are featuring our mom and about to get into many of the questions that we have had for her uh, throughout our two seasons. Throughout our two seasons of Sleepover, both related to Legally Blonde through a lens of Legally Blonde and unrelated. So if you want to comprehend what you were about to hear, go back and listen to last week's episode. And if you already listened, you're part of the family practically. So (laughs) welcome back. And uh, we are about to get into our questions for mom, also known as Jennifer. And (laughs) she got these questions in advance. So I am, uh, so we're not we're not surprising her. Examining? Yes. <laughs> she knows what is about to happen. So the voice you just heard is that of our mother, Jennifer. We already made her explain about herself in the last episode, so I'm just going to do it this time. She is obviously our mom. We don't have any siblings. It's just the two of us. Uh, and she is an artist, graphic designer, former art teacher, sometimes still art tutor, and uh, maintains a studio practice and is a very talented printmaker, designer, very good artist and mom. <laughs> Thank you. So that being said, we have many questions. So we'll just get right into it. Okay. So let's just start with like the more legally blonde based things. So this movie came out in 2001, uh, which makes it very much like a movie of Audrey and my generation. Like this movie was very culturally significant for people our age. And some say that the movie is feminist and it kind of is. But that's not really my main point. My question is for you. In 2001, when you thought of a feminist, what did you, because we talk about feminism a lot on this show. Like, what did, what did a feminist look like slash what did it mean to be a feminist to you back Mm -hmm. then? Well, I I think because I had these questions beforehand, (laughs) I had time to think about this. And you can't help but think about it relative to now. So mm-hmm. so basically, back then, feminism, what, a little bit of it was um, trying to be equal to men. Mm-hmm. So, so like performing, say, in your job, equal to how a man performs in their job. Like mm-hmm. being able to do what they do in their world. And now feminism is different than that, for the better, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, be, you know, being able to change the system to work for men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, so men change a little bit for the world to work better for women. So, yeah. so that is different because that wasn't really, in 2001, the perspective, I believe, of women who... Um, wanted more equality. Which makes sense Uh, because these things happen gradually. Right. It's like, how are we... First, women just need to be present in the workplace. Exactly. You know, and so, of course, at first you have to, like, bend to their will, basically. And then over time, it's like more and more women. Why do we have to do it your way? Yeah. Why can't we do it in a way that works for everyone? For everyone. And bringing bringing a feminine energy to things. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this and and that sort of feeling to me or like how you describe that reminds me of like the bridge between second wave and third wave feminism a little bit, like making it less working girl, like less like cutthroat, let me be more masculine, more aggressive. It actually like, made me think, thinking about this question made me think of the movie Nine to Five. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because that was how they, that was the 
the approach they had to being women in the workplace. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so different. It would have been better if maybe, you know, the workplace adapted to their needs instead yeah. of them, like, you know, killing their boss. <laughs> they don't actually kill him. They Our just abduct way. him. Yeah. And okay. then they tie him up to the ceiling. All right. Which okay. I had never seen 9 to 5 until, like, a couple months ago. And it was great. It's really long it's and weird, long. though. And it's got, like, sequences where you're like, Like these really long dream sequences, like yeah. fantasy sequences. Yeah, but whatever. Great movie. And part of why I wanted to ask you this question was because I remember back when we were living in Solon, which was like the town that we lived in, in our second half of childhood, you did like a series of prints about like, as we were saying earlier, like trappings of femininity. And I'm wondering like what moved you to make those at At the time? time. And can you describe them a little bit? Yeah. So that was, um, it was called... Quixotica. Yes, I remember. And that was about just sort of the maze-like pursuit of presenting yourself as a female. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, fancy hair you have to do, you know, (laughs) all the makeup. And really it was things to me, which actually still makes me sad, what what women will do to themselves to be acceptable Mm -hmm. in society, like shoot things into their face and do surgeries. And why, I I guess I was thinking about why do women feel like they have to do these things to themselves, this, you know, Mm -hmm. impossible dream of femininity. So that that was what I... Physical perfection. Yeah, like what is the ideal, you know... Yeah. Why? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah. And I, I think one thing that's really interesting about that now, I feel like a big part of how people's thoughts have evolved since then. And like, I think that's still a totally valid viewpoint, but like a lot of people view like body modification or like extremity as like an extension of self-expression or like a, like you only have one body, like do whatever you want with it to like be the happiest you can. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of thinking about this actually when we were at the salon today, it's like, like for me, me, like really, Mm -hmm. like for me, for example, it's like, I love makeup and I love doing my hair and stuff. And it's like, is that rooted? Like, why does it make me feel good? It's like, oh, because it looks good. Who decided that it looks good? Someone who is selling something. Yeah. Isn't that just contributing to capitalism? Yes. However, at the end of the day, how does it actually impact my life? It's fun. So you like. I mean, and it's like, are you, and this all comes down, this is like a male gaze capitalism thing. But it's like, you know, there is a of like evolutionary and like real reason why people have enjoyed like adorning themselves over time. Yeah. It's to not, me, the, the, there's a, there's well, a little bit of a difference. Can I finish but my point? Finish your thought. I'm going to come back to what you're saying. Okay. It's like what you're saying evolved into, well, it's sort of like a choice feminism thing mm-hmm. where women were like, well, now I am making a choice about my own body. Therefore it is a feminist choice. <laughs> But it is operating under the constraints and guise of the male gaze, whether you like it, whether you like it or not, whether it's, you you know, if you believe this organically grew in your brain, it's like this structure, (laughs) this structure existed long before you and will exist probably, I'm, let's be real, after you. Mm -hmm. And so I think on an individual basis, there is um, like, I'm not going to like fight someone who got injections or something. I'm not going to be like, that's wrong. But to just recognize and understand that you made that choice to make your life in the male gaze easier. 
Yeah, yeah, you know? I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think for me that, you know, things like, you know, we went, we go, we get our nails done and stuff. Yeah. That's just self-care. That And you know, that's <laughs> like fun with your daughters. Yeah. yeah. It's not like I want to try to cram myself into some image that's outside of myself. Like, you know, I'm trying to create this image of myself that isn't... Mm-hmm what I am, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I guess here's, here's sort of why I think this, because many times, and I'm not saying always, but many times people that do that don't like themselves. And it makes me really sad that someone doesn't like themselves to the point where they're going to, to go to those extremes to, to try to make get get to like themselves from the outside like that mm-hmm. yeah that's and, it, validation that good, that's yeah right and we are an extremely uh image-based society yeah even worse now than we very were very much worse now. way worse now than we were and 20 years ago it, it is that it's so hard because you're and being like our age and stuff you're constantly wanting to straddle this like you can like i i agree with you everything you're saying i agree with I'm, I feel bad that anybody feels that they have to, or not that they have to, but they feel that they want to spend like, and it's so much money too. It's like yeah. a whole industry. And recovery. Yeah. And it's so crazy about it. It's, it's like, all, never, it's, it's about money. Yeah. It's about money. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard because people's emotions are so wrapped up in this yeah. mm-hmm. that you don't want to tell them that they're wrong mm-hmm. for doing something that they, they know they want to do. Yeah. So... That's why I like when when like a celebrity like Alicia Keys, mm-hmm. she she turned her public image into a really natural public image, yeah. And I really was happy about that because. But she's so beautiful. She is beautiful. There's no doubt about <laughs> she also it. Also, probably I mean, like, but she looked different. She didn't look when after she made that style change, she looked like her natural self instead of a forced yeah. Self. As far as we know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, celebrities skin. will always have. I know there's there's well, a and that's, that's that is true. The whole You're thing, right. it's like this endless like rabbit hole you can go down of of like this lens and then this lens and then this framework and like you will literally never hit the bottom if you no, keep going. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting and it's something we talk about on this show pretty often. Like yeah. like because the media also plays a role in this too, and all we do is media analysis. So there's a lot. To think about, but I brought that up because I felt like you have opinions that like nestle into this show really well too. Like you've thought a lot about like femininity as like a performance in the same way we have just like a slightly older, like you just have more life experience than us. So it's different. Yeah. We could go on that question for the next two hours. So <laughs> we could. You're um, okay. So, but kind of related. So from what you remember around this time period, so think about like emergence of Britney Spears emergence of Christina Aguilera. I remember not being allowed to listen to Britney Spears. Um, What was the general media image of like the hot blonde, I hate to say teen, but I feel like it kind of was that at the time. They looked like adults to us, but they weren't. Yeah. So like, I guess to you as like a person, but also as a parent, like what was your like approach or your understanding of that product that was being presented? First of all, I I honestly, when I read this question, when you gave it to me, 
I tried to think who, what was the hot Yeah, that's why I just tried to give you like Britney. Paris Hilton. Yeah. All those things. I honestly paid very little attention. I know you were busy parenting. Yeah, I I was. I was parenting young and you've Kids never been that you've never been that involved in pop, pop culture no, at all. No, I just thought um, Britney Spears. You know, I just thought it's fluffy pop mm-hmm. culture stuff. I didn't hardly pay any attention to it, other than like Christina Aguilera. I thought she had an incredible voice, you know, <laughs> but but I didn't yeah. really think anything about it other than that. Honestly, but I but we were not allowed to listen to it. I'm trying. I I just maybe you were so young. Maybe there was some. I mean, the music like I, it's like why would a why would well, a six year old need to listen to Britney Spears? I'm not saying a six year old needs to listen. To Britney <laughs> I don't Spears. really remember saying that you can't listen to Britney Spears. No, I don't know. I am literally sure, but it's fine. Like. I remember, I remember it being like the Forbidden Fruit because it would play on Disney Channel or uh, Radio Disney sometimes, and we would listen but to Radio Disney, especially in Boston. But it's uh, still like baby, like oh baby, baby, like it's still what it is. Yeah, but maybe I, I just thought there were maybe there were some lyrics that may, that I thought oh that's not good for young girls or yeah. young children. But, yes, yes. But you know what? I was a new mom myself at that point, just trying to figure it out. Yeah, so that is true. I probably just didn't like some of the lyrics. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's why, like, we were never huge Britney fans. But that's because we were I also didn't respect her music either. Oh. But, but <laughs> that being that being said, there you go. That wouldn't be. I would never say don't listen to something to you because I didn't like it. It would have been probably the more, content. Yeah, probably the content. the image and the content. Yeah. So I just don't even remember it hardly. But but when okay, so I have other memories too of like I remember because I loved Evanescence when I was a little kid, and I remember so clearly. Buying the fall, like this one album, Fallen, for those who know Evanescence, and you listening to it on an MP3 player while reading every single lyric in the booklet, and then deciding that I could have every song but one. (laughs) (laughs) And my (laughs) card. That's so mean for a child. It was called tourniquet, and I actually recently Uh, learned what a tourniquet, how it works, and what it is. Like a drug use song. It probably was. Um, But my question is, when did you decide that you were going to actively give a shit about patrolling media that we consumed? I feel like it's as soon as the kid starts asking. Yeah, well, basically, first of all, patrolling seems very punitive. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Term, all right, but, not patrolling, but, um, reviewing. Yes. It's try- responsible. I, I think-, think I wanted to protect you, and I yeah. wanted you to have like a... Uh, Untainted. I wanted you to have your pure childhood without, yeah. without yeah. like thinking about like <laughs> somebody like putting a tourniquet on their arm and shooting up. How dare you? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. That, She's so that much worse be- off because of what <laughs> she's done. <laughs> you would have heard it and just it just would have went over. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But anyway, please continue. So anyway, the question again was the question was like. Like, what made you decide to take the initiative to, like, listen to it and not just be like, uh, whatever? Yeah, I think that would be it. Just trying to protect you. Yeah. Because, first of all, Audrey was younger than you. (laughs) You were the older one. And also the very uh, precocious one. (laughs) Okay. Especially at that age because... Audrey was just like, what's Hannah doing? I'm going to do that. But you were like, you. if there was a lyric, 
you were hearing it. Like a <laughs> yeah. lot, a lot of kids maybe just they'll hear the song and they won't even notice what it's uh, about. Yeah. But you were noticing it for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Very I content mean, aware. Very that's a good point. Very much yeah. so. I mean, I mean, I remember at a very young age that you were loving Bjork. <laughs> Yeah. And like, what yeah. little kid loves Bjork? That yeah. doesn't even make sense. So I think for me, it's like, here's a, a kid that's a sponge mm-hmm. and she's so young. And like, to be able to process that stuff is... You can't. You don't have the tools. You don't. Yeah. You don't. So like, you can only do your best to try mm-hmm. to like, you know, guide your kid, each one individually, yeah. different personalities through... The media scene that yeah. you know is is coming at them. That, yeah, and, you know that's basically <laughs> yeah. my motivation. That's a really good point, though. Yeah, you need to take that into consideration. That's true. I'm taking that. I'm like knowing how you how I am are how you are and how you absorbed like shows like As Told by Ginger, yeah, or, like whatever yeah. show, like how much it literally would affect your actual life day to day more so than other children. That's true. For like, sure. That's a good yeah. point. Yes, that's really true. I guess I never thought of it that way. She did you a favor. <laughs> no, it's she true. It's favor. true. Like sometimes a lot of, well, often I think about when I have kids eventually and how much I do not, do not want to have to deal with like the internet access of a kid. Because mm-hmm. there's like kind of no right way to do it at this point. Like I dread having to deal with that so it's, much. It's, I am very glad I didn't have to deal with You it. had that very just. Just barely. And it was, it was a lot. You, just, it was a lot. Just even back then it was a lot. Yep. And um, now it's out of control. I, I don't know how parents, because, you know, they, the kids need to get on the internet to go to, to school. To do school. Yeah. Yeah. It's like completely unbridled. Yeah. It's bad. Unbridled. Unbridled access. And, yeah. You know, you can try, but kids they figure things out yeah. yes they do and now they're more uh they're able you, well, to do that it's like the technology evolves so quickly parents can't even keep up with yeah. it like the kids know how to operate stuff better than the parents do yeah it's because their brains are so elastic yeah. and that, you know they talk to each other and they get yeah. all the like here's the back door for this that and yeah then, you know. it's really true um okay this is juicy already okay <laughs> so <laughs> On Legally Blonde, do you remember showing us this movie? And we confirmed it was like 2004, 2005. Um, I'm kind of surprised that this was a movie we watched together. I do remember. Okay. And and it took me this question to like dig it up out Mm -hmm. of my brain. But I think what happened was... Dad was going to be out of town for a weekend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm like, okay, well... Let's. I can watch a movie with my daughters that Ray would not want to watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it'll be fun mom daughter time. So yeah, so that would be you know what movie do I know they would like to watch that the maybe is wouldn't a, like maybe a little bit older for them because uh-huh. I know Hannah would love that and Audrey <laughs> was so young that yeah. you know she'll just be happy to be with mom and she'll especially her sister. There. And yeah. so, how old were you again? When, I would have been like, like third grade. Um, no, second or third grade. Well, I don't know what year. Yeah. So, why do you think it's oh, 04, oh, 05? actually, it could be oh six. I think it was two thousand five though. That because seems right because if it came out while we were in it Boston, came out in oh one. No, no, no. Yeah. No, she's oh, right. Oh, yeah. yeah, you said it was 01 that it Sorry. came out. Yep. And then it, it would have been when we got home from Boston, which mm-hmm. would have been oh, end of 02. You probably got it from the library. 
No, yeah. we owned it because why else did we have but it? But we the didn't car? own it until yeah, later. Probably not oh, really? first. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, and also something I hadn't seen and kind of wanted to see. So yeah, yeah, you probably had heard a lot about it. Yeah, cause Reese Witherspoon. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. and it was you know a girl. Thing. Yeah. It and was a so, cultural moment too. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that was really it. That yeah. was why I, and, and if I thought it was a little old for, for you, which mm-hmm. I probably did, I, I thought, well, I'm going to watch it with them. Right. And if they have any questions, I'll, I'll be able to. <laughs> Mommy, what's them. a Percocet? What's liposuction? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I could just hit pause if something is yeah. going to happen that I didn't like. So, right. But it turned out it was completely. Yeah. There was nothing in that movie for that age that I would have had any problem with. Yeah, it was pretty much chill. Yeah. So when you found out, I might expand this question a little bit, but when you found out that you were having daughters and for the sake of simplicity, I'm just going very like gender essentialist here. um, Did you ever like, was it even a thought that occurred to you that like actively thinking about the media that we were going to consume would matter or like be a thing? Like, did that cross your mind? Of course it crossed my mind. Yes. Um, But I don't think it had to do with your gender. I mean, if you mm-hmm. were boys or girls, I would have thought the same thing. Yeah. Um, I would have wanted – I mean, my my intention with you guys always through your childhood was to help you interpret things that mm-hmm. were coming at you because there's so much. And then when I did know I had girls, I did put the, the female filter on mm-hmm. it because I know that – Women move through the world in a different way than men do. Mm-hmm. And the microaggressions, which I didn't have that language for it yeah. then, but in retrospect, I see that that is what it was. But I definitely felt those microaggressions, mm-hmm. but I really didn't have the language for it myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to be able to process it, notice that it was happening, and may have opinions about it. So mm-hmm. be able to think critically about media yeah. and what what media was coming at you, whether it's a movie, whether it's Victoria's Secret. <laughs> you know that what, question's yeah, coming down the pike. Whatever it is, um, yeah. for you to be able to process that in a way that, you know, isn't is age just appropriate. A, not just accepting it and like, I have to be that. With a critical eye. Yes, with it. a critical yeah. eye. Yeah, that makes yes. sense. Well, we certainly have that. <laughs> Yes, Here we do. are. Hence, <laughs> considering the setup. Very much, yes. Very much. So this is what something I was curious about. When you were a kid, which obviously it was a different time, which you were a kid in like the 70s primarily. Yeah. And Early then teenager 80s. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Ba- basically, for me, my the grades of school that I was in through grade school was the the year. So 71, I was in first grade. 72, oh, I was nice. in second grade. Okay. Makes it easy for me. That's like me because 2001 was first grade because we're right. 30 years apart. Right. There exactly. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Same. yeah. yeah. So um, the question is, what was media like for me? Or what was your relationship with the media you consumed like? Okay. Well, first of all, there was, for my childhood, way less media. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for me, the media that I encountered most often would be the newspaper. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the magazines my parents would have laying around the house, the Scientific American, <laughs> the, the, the photography today. Not exactly the, uh, poisoning the youth of America. No, the, um, the, like Life? Did you have Life magazine? We didn't get Life, huh? Mm-hmm. But we did get, like my grandma sent us Rainbow Reader's Ray, Digest. Highlights magazine for children. <laughs> really? We never got Reader's oh. Digest. Um but you saw like cartoons, right? Like Saturday yes. morning cartoons. So that was the second part. So the mm-hmm. printed media was one that we would just have mm-hmm. laying around. And then TV had three channels and UHF. So basically, What's UHF? It, it was like uh, the non major networks. Okay. It was more the local TV. Yeah. So yeah. like the, the PBS and mm-hmm. the, the um, Channel 61 that would show like The Ghoul on Saturday night. <laughs> okay. Which. I love it. The, is that like a scary movie? Or? Yeah. So this guy, the ghoul, <laughs> he would he would have this like hat on and like one he was crazy and he would introduce <laughs> introduce whatever um, scary movie on oh, Saturday that's night. Cool. So it would be the Blob or yeah. you know whatever. Yeah. Frankenstein and or something. Would, yeah, Frankenstein, whatever it the Phantom of the Opera or whatever. <laughs> the Lon Chaney Phantom of the yeah, Opera. All yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. And and it, it was on it it would come on after the news at eleven thirty, so you'd have to stay up late and watch the news. late. And he was he was <laughs> controversial children. and crazy. And as a kid, little kid it was like, Oh, the ghoul will be will be you know Saucy. fun because he's crazy. <laughs> That's so funny. And he would during the movie that I'm really going to No, far. it's okay. I, this is funny. During the movie, he would overdub things. <laughs> like, you know, he'd show the movie, but like he commentary. Would commentary. Yeah. And we just loved it. It was <laughs> it was just dumb and fun and yeah. you know, a little subversive. So yeah, yeah. You um, and your three siblings or was that actually, before? Actually, that was with probably most of the time with my my BFF, my my girlfriend <laughs> that I grew up with. She was my best friend, and yeah. I, I mean, we would spend the night at each other's houses on Saturday nights and stay up late. Yeah, she could always stay up later than me. I'd always, of course, fall asleep before <laughs> it was over. Yeah, yeah. But um, mom goes to bed like at eight fifteen p.m. <laughs> EST like every night, or like falls asleep on the couch. Yeah. I am yeah. not a night person. No, never was. No. Um, <laughs> But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you feel like, um, obviously, yeah, so your amount of media and that this genre that we're talking about now did not exist yet, but you know, there would have been some examples of like super glamorous women or like yeah. something in that vein. I don't yeah, know. I think, um, you know, like TV, there would be movies, and there was movie stars, and yeah. Farrah Fawcett. And right. But all I just that. feel like my impression of you, just from knowing you as my mom and then as an adult, is that you just don't care. Like, you've never been a huge fan of Glamour. And yeah, or like an actress. I mean, for me, probably you respect the, their work, but you're not like living for the looks. Yeah, no, but I was a huge Barbie doll fan. Yeah, I loved the Barbie dolls. Yeah, and um, it. I think it. I was actually thinking about this, like the Barbie dolls. How much I loved getting a brand new Barbie doll. <laughs> yeah, the package. Yeah, it's very good graphic. The graphics yeah. on the package, the actual design of the doll. And then once you have the doll, 
I mean, it was just like the imagine. You know, you can. It's yeah. an it's a an imagination. You can project toy. anything. Yeah, onto so, it. Um, yeah, I loved the Barbie dolls. Okay, so now we're entering the segment described as messier mini questions, which we've kind of probably touched on some of these already. I don't know why it has come up so many times on this show and in life that Victoria's Secret was so expressly forbidden. I think just because it is a cultural entity that continues to be commented on in not so good ways today. I mean, it's like shut down now. Yeah. And so, so, okay, Audrey and I have talked about this so many times. How did you approach (laughs) taking us to the mall? All right. We went kind of a lot. Let me just say I've listened to every episode. And I know that that the story of you t- saying that I would make you not look over there. <laughs> yeah. No, that's literally what it was. All right. So that was a parenting mistake. Really? I think so. Yeah. Because we I think needed an explanation. Yes, I think I, I handled that wrong. But I think it was more that was personal on my point be, on my part because um, it pissed me off. Yeah. I, I felt like, why can't I take my kids to the mall and not have this image out there? You know, you go to the mall, all the marketing, especially back then, now malls don't even exist, but, <laughs> but back Victoria's then. Victoria's Secret and malls don't yeah, exist. Yeah, malls. They've both been like um, blown off the face of the earth, yeah. Which is not a bad thing, yeah. but uh, I kind of all the all the marketing. I mean, I would get anxiety going to the mall. I used to work in a mall, right? But um, because the marketing was so it's very in your sexual, face. yeah, and just like this is how you have to be. This is what you have to wear. This is what you need to look like. If you don't look like this, you can't even work in here. Hollister, right. Abercrombie, you know, and Fitch. Yeah, and I it just oh, I just hated everything about it, and I. I think for my young daughters, I didn't want them to feel that or have to have to model themselves after that. Mm-hmm. So by that, I mean, I might. It sounds like something that I might have done to say, just <laughs> don't look over there. But that's not. That was not the right way yeah. to handle it. I should have just said, you know, look at. And I'm sure that I did say, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, look at that broad over there. That was a big. I mean, yeah. I remember doing that, like saying, you know, talking yeah. to you about those images mm-hmm. and and being very intentional about. Talking to yeah. you about. You know. I think it's just one of it's one of those things where it's like you tell a child not to look at something, not to listen to something, and it's like they want to do it that much more. Right. Or it yeah. or it's it becomes a bigger deal than it needs to be. Than it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. let's just understand this and and make it uh minimize it. Like this yeah. is what this is and yeah. can understand it. Yeah. So but yeah, I, I could have handled that better. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like it was a particularly overtly sexual time though it was like it totally i feel like was. that whole like abercrombie hollister yeah. thing which like i never wanted that because i was emo as we all know uh but i'm sure <laughs> there was, was for a preppy kid that was for the preps um i'm <laughs> sure that there was a moment where i did want it though like i grade. know i had that yeah well i always knew that i couldn't fit in it because i was always kind of like a weird in between size you could have fit in it but you weren't allowed i had <laughs> I think I had... It was expensive also. Yeah, it's expensive. It's not necessary. um, But I did have one Hollister sweatshirt. And you know how um, it smelled so strong in there um, with their cologne and stuff? I literally didn't wash it. Because you were like, I need Because it smelled good to me. Like, I enjoyed the smell. It smelled like... 
conformity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, like I wanted Uggs. I wanted chestnut, um, Bailey button, baby. I had them. Um, <laughs> See how that marketing worked? Yeah. It well, worked. that's the whole thing. It it's was like money. It but was I never thought money. I like wanted. Like I didn't. You you can't see the forest the forest for the trees yeah. when you're, you're that child. little. Yeah, you're, you know you're a child and yeah. you want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And yep. that you know that. But to be fair, Uggs are a very reasonable purchase when living <laughs> when living in Ohio. And you owned a pair. And yeah. I owned a pair, and I <laughs> kept them until I had them until I was a sophomore in college. Okay, so then another thing that's come up is that I used to get in trouble a lot when I was a kid. I just would do dumb shit constantly. I would lie. I would forge. I would break rules that weren't even, like, really worth breaking. But, like, I would do it anyway, mostly because something was forbidden, A, or B, because I thought that being honest about the problem would get me in more trouble than hiding it would be. Which Mm -hmm. was literally not true. Never the truth. No, never never the truth. An example is, like, I would, like, get in trouble at school for like smacking an annoying boy. And instead of telling my mom I got in trouble for it, I would hide the fact that I got in trouble for it, forge my way out of her finding out for two months and then get caught, which was way worse than what it would have been in the beginning. For sure, yeah. Because uh, you know what? I might have just said, did he deserve it? Yeah, right, right. Like, it's like a weird conflict avoidance thing, but I did it so many times. Um, Because there was the situation where you did punch the boy and... And you were yeah. like, yeah, he deserved and it. I, was like, I also didn't actually really punch him. He was being a baby. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a slight hit, and he's like, oh. He was like crying. Yeah, that's like a whole yeah, other story. That's another story. But I bring this up because I'm curious if you got in trouble as a kid very often. I did not get in trouble very much as a kid at all. <laughs> but also your parents. Yes, we didn't. We had a, a weird sort of disciplinary atmosphere when I was a kid. And that was, we feared my dad, Mm -hmm. but we never got in trouble by my dad. It was more the (laughs) threat. Yeah, that it could happen. (laughs) I mean, we, at dinner, at our dinner table, we had dinner together every night because my dad was a school teacher. Mm -hmm. He was home by... 3.30 or something, and wow. we had dinner at 5 o'clock every single day. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, the six of us having dinner, but we had a paddle, <laughs> a wooden paddle that he would have behind him on the wall that was never used. It was just there as a threat. <laughs> and there was a bullseye on it. <laughs> so yeah. it was a little bit funny, but also a real threat. Yeah. yeah. And... um I actually did get it once, but it was from my mom. I think but I remember you telling me about this, but what was the situation? I was slamming doors all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I would, like, march off and slam the door behind me. But the time I got it from my mom, it was because all the doors and windows in the house were open, and it was windy. Oh. And I and it just slammed because of the wind. Oh, that and so sucks. it was unjust. That is unjust. <laughs> it was an unjust situation. Oh, no. But yeah. So That's sad. Back then, when I was a kid, paddling was, was more common. Yeah. In in our schools, it was a you know you, punishment. It was a punishment in school. Yeah. Like getting paddled. Yeah, so it's not it's thing. not like crazy that they had one. No. At all. You did nothing. You couldn't do anything in your yeah, childhood. So why and, would, and we lived in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like you could like walk around and like 
go anywhere. <laughs> Basically, it was a farm field. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was not a lot of trouble to get into. Yeah. Do you have any specific parenting regrets relevant to this sh- to our subject matter here and any specific parenting wins relevant to our subject matter? Okay, so regrets. I feel like you have something I should regret, no. but I don't. I mean, you know, like our, like I already talked mm-hmm. about like maybe overemphasizing something that should have been maybe more of a discussion than a than a hard and fast rule type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um one day, if either of you become parents, you will learn how hard it is. Oh, I don't think it's easy. Like, I don't. Think I, don't it's easy. I, yeah. I think you did a great job. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, regrets, it's all in retrospect. Like, it's it can only There's really be no point in regretting anything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I could have yeah. done this and that better. Right. I mean, I, I can think of things that. Yeah. You know, or, like, if there's anything really micro. Like, any, like, silly thing or, like, any small thing that you were like, why did I do that? Like, I can think of one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what, uh, let's see. Let me, what was the situation? <laughs> it's when I let go on you really hard. Like, what did you do? You were do, you were up to some hijinks. I don't even remember <laughs> what it was. And I think I was in school then. I was, like, trying Extra to. Extra stressed. Yeah, I was so uh-huh. stressed. I was trying to get through school, and you were being super high maintenance at the time. Because you were a teenager. Yeah. Of course you were. Yeah. Because you're a teenager. Do you remember this? I think I might know where you're going, but I want oh, you no, to. I do kind of remember. Okay. This is the one where I left you the note in, on your in your oh. room apologizing for, like, losing my shit with you. <laughs> yeah. Saying, yeah, you know, I like, do remember that. Saying this this was not one of my better parenting moments. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, my God. I do remember that. Yeah, but, but I, oh, I, that was, like, a dark. Oh, God. I mean, I remember yeah. what it was. So that kind of thing. But th- that's the kind of thing where you look back and you're like, I was a human being. You also and like immediately took accountability for yeah. it too. Like if you, cause I remember, I found that note actually kind of recently cause I had it like in a notebook somewhere in my room at your house. And I was like, oh my God, like, whoa, <laughs> like something, something happened here. And I think based on the timeline, I know what it was. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, you apologized, which is like the nicest yeah. thing yeah. a parent so, can do. Yeah, it's hard. It is yeah. just hard and to it, be a parent. And yeah. that's like the hardest thing for some parents to do. Is to, to, admit, to admit fault. that they're wrong. Yeah. yeah. And 100%. really, not only just parents, but anybody. anyone. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I could go on a little mm-hmm. a little thing about that. I really feel that politically right now, this is part of our division, is mm-hmm. that people get so freaking dug in that they can't yeah. admit that maybe I was Someone wrong. has a point. Yeah. And I maybe I should consider, consider another point of view or maybe admit that I can change my perspective. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening right now. Yeah. And it's really hard to do. It is hard to do. Yeah. It's not. But like how like, free you feel when you do it, you know, yes. like if everybody could do that more, like you ultimately feel. Yeah. And it, a lot of it depends it's on like how, a release. It's, how it's received. Yeah. Because if you're afraid that that's vulnerability. And yeah. And if you feel like that won't be received well. You're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right now, politically, it neither side feels like it will be received, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, anyway, I digress. Yeah. Any specific wins? Well, that's obvious. 
I have two wins right, <laughs> right here. So that's, that's easy. That's very nice of you. That's the end of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and to what you were saying about us wanting you to say something specific, it's definitely not true. And in fact, we have talked many times about how like you and dad, like like Audrey and I work together a lot, and it's not because we have trauma from our childhood. You know, like I feel like a lot of siblings that are really close, it's like because they went through some shit. And I feel like it's the opposite for us. Like we were just able to like have a nice fun childhood and like enjoy ourselves and be ourselves. And that was because you and dad were really good at your job. So. Well, I think it's also something about your two personalities that are just the way you are. I mean, you just like each other. That's true. That's nice. We do I did hope that out. for my kids. And, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm happy that it's it It's hard because you have no control. No, you don't. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's not like playing with Barbies where you can just make it happen. No, no. <laughs> and then you're an artist professionally. You have been your whole life. And I'm wondering when you realized that Audrey and I were kind of going to take similar paths and like how that made you feel like, did you, were you nervous about it? Because if you were, it it never seems like it. I mean, it was always extremely unflinching that Audrey and I were going to be able to like do what we wanted, Mm -hmm. which is not the case for a lot of creative people. No, Um, no, I haven't, you know, having been in a creative career myself, I know there are ways there are ways to make (laughs) a living at it. I mean, you're never, you're not gonna, you know, maybe... It's more risky, You're not gonna be but this. you can survive. You can, and, you know, you come from an entrepreneurial family. Yeah. And like, I have my own business. Your dad clearly has his. <laughs> and so it's not outside of the realm of um, what our family is used to. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, um it's not like we have like the family cheese business and we're like, yeah. I'm going to go make movies. No. Yeah. Uh, it, and, yeah. That's yeah. true. And honestly, you guys are independent thinkers, and it just makes sense for you. And re- my goal for you guys as a parent, and kids are going to do what they want anyway, but was always encourage you to pursue your interests mm-hmm. and try to do that for your career. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. interested in your career, you're going to enjoy your career. Yeah. If you're yeah. doing something you hate, you're going to hate your life. It. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to like it. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, I was, you know, every like everything that parents project on their child is out of love and wanting them to have a good life and it's like it's interesting how that manifests. How it manifests in so yeah. many different ways, but you just so happened we just so happened to be very lucky mm-hmm. that you had that perspective because like we have a ton of friends like I have friends where their parents were like we are concerned for you we want you to have a good life yeah. therefore it's the- like stability above all yeah instead and it's of like yeah you can be the most stable you can be rich but if you hate what you do every single day you will hate your life yeah yeah so yeah I think that's go. a good point because you know f- for me financial stability was not I mean growing up we always had everything we needed. But I don't think we knew how just barely it was. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I was on my own, it was also just barely. I was used to that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, I've always felt like I could lose everything and be fine. Right. You know, I'll just... Revert. Yeah, I'll be (laughs) fine. You know, I'll figure out a way. And I, and, but I enjoy what I do. 
So I, I felt like, you know. Yeah, it's, it, to me, it always felt like no other option. Like, I literally could not see myself even doing, like, I think my backup idea was, like, psychology. Yeah. And I was like, I just can't. I just can't see it. Well, you else. knew what you wanted to do from middle school. I think. Yeah, you yeah. knew really early on. Yeah. And I kind of did. I mean, we kn- yeah, I mean, it was going to be something writing ish or yeah. like media ish. Creative. Yeah. Yeah. And here you are. Yeah. And here yeah. we are. We actually get exactly. to do this I as mean, a job. I, I feel like your personalities are very much reflected in what you do. Yeah. I feel really grateful. Even when work is hard sometimes, I'm like, wow, I get paid to do things that I actually am interested in and that like came from my brain. Like Mm -hmm. that is really cool that that gets to happen. And that like people absorb for entertainment. Yeah. Like there are people out there listening right now (laughs) to this in their spare time. Like that is hard to, uh, not hard to understand. No, it's appreciated. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mom, you made it through the cross-examination. Yay. Okay, so. The hot seat. The hot seat. She's still in the hot seat, but the, the heat has been turned off beneath oh, okay. the hot seat. Okay. That wasn't even that hot. No, do you, have, do you need to answer In fact, something? I just, I really enjoy talking to you guys about these topics. <laughs> They're good adults, topics. It's great to have your kids as adults. And yeah. That's fun. Yeah. She has her blurb she's pulling up. I do have a blurb. Oh, right. I was like, yeah. what? She mom, mom pulled out her iPhone and Audrey started to get nervous. Okay. So, <laughs> so we are talking about Legally Blonde. This is how we got into all of this. Um, and I just had a couple last points that I think would be cool to discuss about the movie. And then mom has a statement on, do we care if the movies are actually good or not? And so we're going to end on that. But we'll we'll leave that as uh, the, the cherry on top at the end. So controversial this first one yeah brave controversial yeah brave what i'm about to say so the whole premise of legally blonde is that warner needs to have a serious partner in order to achieve his dreams and my question is in what world does in in what straight world in what straight couple does it matter to a man's career trajectory how serious the wife, the wife is. is. Wouldn't you, wouldn't it Look just at, be like the hotter she is, the better the for better? you? Like, I just felt like, like conceptually that felt like a reach to me. Do you yeah. have any The fact that he, that he was like, if I'm going to be a senator by the time I'm 30, I need to marry a uh, Jackie, not a Marilyn. And Th- I'm like, those are the words. But it's, it's not even true. Um, I can see where that image comes from. Like Jackie Marilyn. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, is that realistic? No. Do you, what do you feel I about that? I, I feel like that's an antiquated perspective. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like that even at that time. Yeah. I that mean, Jackie and Marilyn was from another time. Yeah. Um, Which kind of makes sense for his character. Old money. Yeah, that's true. You know, politics. Yeah. Right, because you that, you know, if you think about all those politicians of that time, their spouses were highly educated women yeah. whose ability to use their education was completely nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that you, you had to be highly educated, but you but can't not use practice. it. Use it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> to decorate the White House or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. And then, um, you know, the the 
quote-unquote dumb blonde was also part of the picture, just not part of the marriage. Right. I mean, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's what, true. That's there you part go. of what rounds out the man. It's like it's like the the powerful man. It's like the mistress and the wife. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally yes. That's it. That we cracked it. That's it. <laughs> Mom cracked it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good answer. Mm-hmm. Anything else related I to think that? That makes sense. Okay. And then really the last thing is. So obviously in Legally Blonde, being blonde is like a symbol and like a euphemism sort of. And I just felt like it would be interesting for everyone to get a crack at what th- at sharing what they think blonde is a symbol for in this movie. I mean, it's literally about her being I'm saying take dumb. it a step further, though. Okay, like I know, I know that there are a lot of like trans people, for example, who feel really represented by Elle Woods or people that are outsiders in a world that they're trying to break into feel really represented by her. And I just wonder why, why do you, why do we think that that is so true, even while Elle is so unrelatable? Well, I think usually it's that they had very, they didn't have media to actually literally relate to so it's any underdog story yeah fun to watch has comedy it has um good fashion it just looks nice and it's fun to watch and she is an underdog in the story it's like they didn't have good examples she's not a great example (laughs) yeah i think it's she's the best example for somebody who for like i even saw a tiktok like yesterday that was like Elle woods was my um inspo and it like she like pretty directly inspired this woman to be one of the only women in her law class and like withstand all the struggles of that Mm -hmm. and then like graduate and stuff Mm -hmm. so like I feel like there's a lot of literal people like women who are inspired by her yeah one other thing about this movie that I really like is that and this sort of speaks to what we were talking about about mom like you encouraging Audrey and I to like pursue what we like to the furthest extent and like be the truest to ourselves as we could be. Cause I feel like we're both very like authentic to who we are. And I feel like in Legally Blonde, um, the whole thing is like what gets her into Harvard is her signature sparkle. It's like the yeah. weird admissions video. Her charisma and authenticity. Yeah, like her being herself to the fullest extent yeah. is the thing that actually gets her everywhere. Like, it's very like, uh, you could always go home the whole time. Like, it was within you, like the end yeah. of The Wizard of Oz. Like, she had everything she needed the whole time. She just needed to be able to see it for herself. Yeah. And I feel like that is actually a deceptively really good message for kids to see or like for younger people to see. And like, yeah, it is disguised in this like hot blonde, like stereotype shell, but there is so much more depth to it. And Reese does bring. Yeah, she brings the nuance. Yeah. Like that moment right after she's been hit on and Emmett, she sees Emmett out in the lobby thing and she's like, I'm just going to stop pretending. And Emmett's like, but you're not pretending. This is who you are. Yeah. And like, obviously being told it by the man is like, okay. But, (laughs) you know, having good friends who will... Who be like you Validate are? Validate you, right? That is important. Yeah, and, and I, f- Emmett's a good person. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I'm trying. I'm trying to to whip out the golden bow here because I love to get a golden bow on these episodes, and I just feel like we as people have that kind. I mean, I know I do. At least I feel this way. Like 
like leading with my personality and like my most truthful version of myself is like where I'm most comfortable and what yields the best results for me. And I feel like that is because of being very much accepted and encouraged to be myself as a kid due to yeah. mom. That makes sense. <laughs> and dad. There could be no better result than yeah. that. Yeah. That makes me happy to yes. hear that. It yeah. is true. There you go. You've done it. I snipped the ends of the bow <laughs> and they are there. It is placed on the gift. I really, and I, I really liked your comment on the, the Dorothy. Yeah, story. you I know. Think, I think that's really a good way to look at it yeah. if relative to the movie. Yeah. I mean, most of life is fake it till you make it. Mm. It's true. Yeah, like if you true. believe that you can be that thing, people don't dream it, be it. Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror. We're floating in the pool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've reached. I think we've reached the conclusion of our two-parter. Oh, but not yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mom and has her has her statement. You can cut this out if you want. We so won't. We'll, cut we'll it tag out. in on the or end. we can rearrange it. Yeah. Okay. Um. Hopefully I wrote this in a coherent way because I just typed it on my phone. But um, in in your intros, you say, do we care if they are good? Do we really care if these films that that we review are good? Um, From my perspective, no, we don't really care (laughs) if they're good. Um, I'm just going to read this to keep it simple. Looking at what you are both doing now, in retrospect, I think what really mattered was the act of considering a show's appropriateness for you. So I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, like, I know part of mm-hmm. this was, like, mom, why, you know, what was mom's thought process in, like, <laughs> patrolling our, our media consumption? Yeah. So um, thinking about what you were consuming seems to have had a positive effect. <laughs> thinking about whether to watch Legally Blonde before and after gave you an awareness of critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Who would think that you could end up with thoughts on social issues based on Barbie princess movies? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yes, that is true. Um, so the question you asked, do we really care if they are good? It's really thinking about whether they're good that that matters. Yes. How? What a great way to end our second season. Yeah. Nice job, It's been Mom. a ride. <laughs> Prepared. And this was really fun. It was Thanks really for fun. joining us. I had a great time. Yay, good. Okay. Um, anything else we want to say? That's all I got. I don't think so. So that's now all, you have all heard that's the That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. <laughs> now you've all heard the voice of mom. And uh, maybe she'll come back at some point in the future. Who knows? Maybe we'll drag dad in here at some point. Oh, that, that would, would be, be interesting. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, I don't know. We'd have to think of something good to a good movie to go off of for that because we didn't yeah. watch much movies. Yeah, it would have him. to be like Nacho Libre or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would have to be something <laughs> like that. Okay, but we will cross that bridge when we come to it. If you are listening, you have officially made it through season two of Sleepover Cinema. Woo! Yay! Uh, We will be back in but a few short weeks with more episodes for you. And um, you are the nicest person ever if you're listening to this. So um, let us know your thoughts on the season and leave a review if you haven't. Yes. And you want to, obviously. Um, (laughs) Unless you hate it, then don't. You're legally required to go leave Um, a review. (laughs) But yeah, I think we're good. Cool. Okay, we will be back soon. Bye. Bye. Do you want to say bye too? Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, we did it.
You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.